0: you would go ahead and be seated today. We are finishing this summer series, Thriving with Hope, and we are looking at our last psalm of the season. And I, I hope that these psalms have inspired you as they have me. I hope they have made you want to be a better student of the psalms. I have read more books than I can count, that I can even keep up with, having studied for this series, and I, I anticipate doing it more and more because of the richness that is found within these wonderful songs and songs and, ter- and testimonies of, of God being at work. These psalms, they teach us about real life, about who God is in real life and how we can rely on him and look to him and, and to find, find hope. Today, our text is going to teach us that we can have hope even when it feels that everyone is against us. Now, that will probably never actually be the case. It may feel that way, but odds are you'll never actually be in a situation where everyone is against you. But but if it, if it happens, if there comes a point and you sense that there are people against you, you need to find out why if if it's because you have sinned if we have sinned against them we need to go and seek forgiveness it says in matthew chapter 5 beginning in verse 23 so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift in order for us to worship God rightly, we have to, as far as it depends on us, seek to be peacemakers. And if we've done something that has caused someone to be against us, we need to resolve that in as much as we can. And we need to go and seek to make peace. Now, if it is because they have sinned against us, well, we still have a responsibility there. We, we need to, to seek peace the way God commands. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Notice that. Don't go on Facebook and complain about this person. You know, don't go and get a posse of people to go up and and persecute this person. No, no, no. Alone. You go, you speak, you have the conversation. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Get someone you both trust, get a couple of friends. If it's in the family, get a couple of family members and sit down and have the conversation and speak to the issue, speak to the sin and speak to the need for reconciliation. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. You come to the elders. Our elders are trained peacemakers. A couple of our elders are at the highest level of peacemaking training that that can be provided. We actually have a peacemaking ministry within our congregation that can even deal with legal corporate issues. And we have within our church family. And let me just tell you, it's always hard. It's painful. It's best not to create conflict. It's best to the the best of your ability to be a peacemaker and to be at peace. But if if someone has sinned against us, we need to go. and, And we need to do all that we can to restore peace. Now, if it is because they are mad because we're standing for Christ, well, We need to go forward with humble confidence. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. We should never be surprised that the world hates us. We should never be surprised that the world is against those who stand for Christ. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And when the world hates us because we choose to stand and to live for Christ, as Christ, we need to suffer like Christ. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Friends, there's one person, one human being that has ever lived on this planet who had everyone against him all at once. And that's Jesus Christ. He had the religious leaders against him. He had his friends turn against him. Not just Judas, but then Peter denies him at the taunting of a teenage girl. But worse than that, worse than his friends, worse than all the people of the world, his father, his father turned against him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I quote it regularly. For our sake... He made him who knew no sin to know sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Christ cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he who knew no sin became sin. In that moment, all of the filth of our sin was placed on him and God the father turned away as his just wrath was poured out on him why did God the father do that to God the son it was so that God the son could take our punishment so that we could be free from the punishment and power of sin the Hebrew writer says that for the joy that was set before him Christ endured the cross the joy What do you mean joy? Yes, there was even joy in the suffering because he was fulfilling his purpose. Friends, there is great joy when we fulfill our purpose, when we live as Christ, when we suffer for Christ, when we're willing to be as Christ. Our text today helps us understand how to thrive even when it feels like the whole world is against us. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Psalm 71. Psalm 71. And Miss Nora is going to come and read for us verses 1 through 8. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. I'm going to brag on Nora for just a moment. So this is her second scripture to read today because when we were first developing this series, we were going to do Psalm 27. And so she got the old notice. And so she read from Psalm 27. Now she's reading from Psalm 71. We got a scholar on our hands here, folks. Two chapters in one day. She's going to read verses one through eight. So Nora, if you don't mind, read that for us. In you, Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as protect to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Mm-hmm. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. All right, let's hear it for Nora. That was good. That was good. She, she read Psalm 27 just as good. It's a little intimidating. I don't mind to tell you. Psalm 71. All right, we've been... St- Trying to get a sense of categorization whenever we we begin these psalms. This one's an interesting one because it actually begins as a lament. A psalm of individual lament. A cry to God from an individual. But it it ends as a psalm of praise. A psalm intended to praise God for his attributes. You know, as Christians, we should never be surprised that in this life it's hard. At the beginning it's hard. That there are challenges. But we must never forget there's always a victory in the end. Because we are in Christ, there is a victory. We are victorious. Romans eight thirty seven. 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Friends, we must never surrender to the temptation to pity ourselves. No one likes a pity party except the person who throws it. And then they get mad when no one shows up. <laughs> pity parties are useless Do not fall into the temptation of feeling pity for yourself. Instead, thrive. What does it mean to thrive? Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God and the contentment to obey God's commands while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. Friends, we can abide in Christ and we can be like Christ and we can thrive in any circumstances, even when people are against us. Let's learn how. Three things to take note of. First is this. When it feels like everyone is against you, seek God's help immediately. Seek God's help immediately. The first moment that you sense conflict, the first moment you begin to feel pressure, pray. Pray for God's divine intervention. Ask God to work in your heart. Ask God to work in the other people's heart. Ask God to bring peace to the situation. Friends, prayer should never be the last resort. It should always be the logical first step. Prayer. Begin with prayer. And if peace cannot be established, pray again. But this time, seek the Lord as refuge. Ask God to be your refuge. Ask God to be your strength. I like to pray and sing Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin, the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. See, Christ has the power to redeem us and to restore us. And many times he will use the challenges to do that, to call our attention to the need for redemption, to enable us to experience God's power to to overcome. We can we have the ability to live under God's authority because of the gospel. The gospel is not the last step to the Christian life. It's the first step. And when we look at three circles, we remember the first step of repenting and believing the gospel enables us to pursue and recover God's design. Our whole life is a pursuit and a recovery of being like Christ, our brother, the one who now lives in us and who fills us. Christ Christ has delivered us to to have this life at a great price. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to abandon you God has paid too much. He's invested too much to abandon us now. He's not going to leave us by grace. God hears us. He hears us when we pray. He already knows our need and and he knows how to care for us. As children, we need to learn this. We need to learn to call out to our father. You know, my children have learned which parent to call based on what need they have. You know, if they want a a couch to be moved, if they want some money, if, if they want a pep talk, here it is, right here. The mule, that's what I like to refer to myself as. If they want compassion and kindness, encouragement, I can assure you they don't call me. Because my feeling is, move on, baby, keep moving. They call their mother. You know what's so great about Christ? We can call him for anything. Our father is the perfect parent. He knows. He knows what we need. He knows when we need to be challenged. He knows when we need to be comforted. As we read God's word every single day, the Lord God speaks to us. This morning, the Lord God spoke to me in the book of Jeremiah Of all places, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And I was reminded again of the goodness and the power and the sovereign care of God. God knows, and he's looking for us to look to him. To look to him immediately when things are coming, immediately, God has promised to hear us and to help us, Psalm 50, verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you, you shall glorify me. As a matter of fact, God has commanded that, that we are to be saved. I, look, verse three, this is, I wish I could unpack this. There's so much in this, this, in this chapter. Look at, look at verse three. You have given the command to save me. He has given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Now, this does not mean that we're not going to suffer. It means that in our salvation, in Christ Jesus, as we suffer and as we die, we never suffer and we never die alone. He is with us always. He is our strength. He is our fortress. He is the one who is there. And it's, and it's so wise to right now, in this day, in this moment, to cultivate, to cultivate the promises of our salvation, to pursue God the Father, to stay close to him, and to get close to God's flock. Friends, you need to be in a small group. You need to be in a connect group, and you need to be serving in this church. You need that because people need you. And in your day of need, they're going to be there for you. And you know how God often cares for his people? Through the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And friends, if you are not connected, you should not be surprised that you don't feel the blessing of the presence of God. If you shun the presence of the blessing of God, yes, God can graciously work in other miraculous ways, but we should not expect that. What we should expect is for him to keep his word. And he keeps his word to those who obey his word and walk in his ways. And his way is for us to be connected in a local church to be involved in the lives of the other people that know us. That happens in small gatherings. You know, I have men that I talk with and have talked with for years, decades. A week doesn't go by that that I don't have a text or a conversation with a man that I have been or am in small group with. And those are the blessings of my life. Friends, you and I, we all need this blessing. We need God and we need God with flesh on and God with flesh on is the church and and we need to make the investment to be involved. We need to seek immediately, call friends immediately, call on God in prayer immediately. Don't hesitate, build those relationships and, and be expecting and looking immediately. Secondly, when it feels like everyone is against you, remember God's help previously. That's what the psalmist is doing here. Verse five, for you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Children, listen to me. You need to cultivate a personal relationship with God now. You need to, when you are a, 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 an adolescent, if you're an adolescent now, when you're a young adult, when, and when you're going into parenthood, and when you're going through uh, empty nesting and, and senior adult, and by the way, it gets there sooner than you think. I can remember what it was like to have hair. It feels like it was yesterday. It's gone, 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 gone. Life moves fast, my friends. And, And what, children, you need to right now be cultivating your personal relationship with God so that when you're struggling, you can look back like this psalmist in verse five and say, from my youth, God was faithful. When I was a child and and the the Lord even then was with me, you know, over the last 20 years, God has been so faithful to us here at Living Hope. I've gotten to be a part of it. He was faithful before I got here. He'll be faithful, I believe, long after I'm gone. But I can look back and, oh my goodness, the mistakes I made and how God allowed us to get past that And, and how God was so good to see us through so many challenges So many trials, so many choices that we had to make. And God has led us. And I I look forward to celebrating some of that with you next week. But friends, it is such a good and wise exercise to look back to look back and to remember the faithfulness of God and then to lean in, to lean in now. Upon you, I have leaned. From, my, from before my birth, you are you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch from my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him for there is none to deliver him. Oh, God, be not far from me. Oh, my God, make haste to help me. Friends, where do you get the confidence to pray like that? You learn to. You learn to pray like that. You learn to, to trust in God because of what He's done before. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. Where does He get the confidence to ask that? Because God has been faithful in the past with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered with with uh, though. May, may they be covered who seek my hurt, friends. We've got to learn to do it, and we've got to get good at looking to God. It takes practice. It's like driving. We have some, some dear friends there. They're trying to teach their twin daughters how to drive right now. And one is doing well. And the other in her mother's word is terrible. And, and I said, well, you know, what's going on? Why is she so terrible? She, she's so stiff. She's so stiff. She gets the wheel and she's like on the turn. She doesn't know, you know, you make the turn and then you kind of, you don't let go. You just kind of give a little release, and it kind of shifts back. Said she's just trying to control every single part, and she said, "I know we're all going to (laughs) die." Because she's like, you know, white knuckling this thing. So many of God's children are white knuckling their lives. They've not learned to go with the flow of the Spirit. To walk in the spirit, to to rest in the presence and power of God. Yes, we've got to make turns, but then we release and we allow God. He's with us, yes, but we're responsible. We're working in in conjunction with, under the authority of the spirit of God, with God. Friends, it's like driving. You have to learn to do that. Yes, when you begin, you're going to white knuckle it. Yes, you're you're not going to be very good at it. But you know what happens over time? You grow you grow this writer was able to look back and remember God's faithfulness and it gave him the hope to request help and look when we walk a path over time there becomes a trail with markers and we're able to look back and see look look at this path look at how God led us look at the things that have happened look where he has been faithful one of the best ways to learn of the faithfulness of God again is by studying the Bible Studying the lives of those who've gone before us. You can just take simply, and here's a challenge, take the book of Genesis and and study the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and and look at their lives and learn who God is. Learn how faithful he is. Learn to avoid the mistakes they made and learn to do the things that they did that honored God. Another great way that I love to, to learn of the faithfulness of God is to read Christian biographies. I've stumbled on another series. It's called A Long Line of Godly Men. A Long Line of Godly Men. I, I've just read a couple of them. They're only about 200 pages long, and they are so good because they show the lives of godly men and the mistakes they've made and, and, the, and the good things that they did for God's glory and how the Lord was faithful all the way through. Friends, we need to be able to look back, not, at our, not only at our lives, but at the lives of others. And learn how God has been faithful and lean into that. And and when we look back and we trust in God, we'll begin to be expectant. And that's what we need to do. And that's the third thing. When it feels like everyone is against you, pursue God's help expectantly. Expectantly, expectantly. Expecting God to show up, expecting God to answer our prayers. Isn't it amazing how astonished we are sometimes when God answers our prayers? We should not be astonished. We should be, yep, that's what I asked for. That's what I should expect. I'll never forget. This person gave it to me when I was saved, and they said, "I prayed for you to be saved. I never dreamed you'd get saved." Well, who else are you not praying, praying for? <laughs> Friends, we, we need to go to God expectantly. We need to pursue him expecting. This is what the psalmist did. I love verse 14. If you don't have a, a life verse, and not everyone does, my life verse, the 2 Timothy 2, 2, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust a reliable man who'll be qualified to teach others. If you don't have a life verse, let me recommend verse 14. This is a good one. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Boy, that's a blessed life right there. That's a thriving life right there who just basically says, you know what? I'm going to hope continually because you are God. And I'm just going to keep praising you no matter what comes because you are worthy. And, 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 and as we do that, as we see the worthiness of God, as we experience the goodness of God, we have a responsibility Look in verses 15 through, 20, through 19. If this is your Bible, let me encourage you to underline some things here, okay? If, you've got, if it's electronically, try to highlight it if you can. Verse 15. My mouth will tell. Underline, will tell. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For the, their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come underline this one, I will remind, I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. Oh God, from my youth, you have taught me. And I, underline this, I still proclaim, I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until, underline it, I proclaim, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those To come, your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You have done great things, O God. Who is like you, friends? We must not only experience the blessings of God; we must tell of the blessings of God. To tell people, to tell people what God has done. Now, I believe the best way to do that is with three circles. But I also believe one of the best ways to do that is to share three circles in light of our story. Let me show you uh, what what this can look like, okay? So you're familiar with three circles. Now notice how I've highlighted these different parts. The the green and the uh, the purple, the green and the yellow, that's our story. So you think about sin and brokenness. We've all experienced that. That's, That's my life before Christ. That's B.C., You know, oftentimes uh, I'll run into people and I'll be with friends and I'll say, yeah, that one knew me B.C., before Christ. They they knew a little bit of the terror of what what it's like for a person to be without Christ. But then my birthday. My birthday is the day that I surrendered my heart and life to Jesus Christ by repenting of sin and believing the gospel. That was for me on June 28th, 1988 at approximately 3.15 a.m. Now, you may not know it down to the minute. It may be a day. It may be a season of life when you repented and believed. But friends, leave it up there. You need to remember. Oh, you guys did that for the TV. Okay, so you need to to remember. Okay, when did I repent and believe the gospel? And then my new life now. We need to be able to share what Christ is doing in our life now. I want to challenge you to write down your salvation story. Write it down three, four sentences. My life before Christ was like, fill in the blank. I came to repent and to believe the gospel when? Fill it in. Now that I've repented and believed the gospel, here's what God is doing in my life. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I've been challenging you to do this. I want to continue to challenge you. Sit down at the dinner table and tell your children your story. Have your children tell you their story. Make sure you know each other's stories. And then go tell your neighbors Go tell your friends at school. Go tell the people you work with. Fulfill our mission to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And, friends, this is so easy to do. It's so easy to do. This week I was traveling. And I had a man, he walked up to me, or we were actually kind of in proximity to one another, and, and we were going to be in a, in a confined space, an elevator, for just a, a minute. And he said, well, what brings you here? And I said, well, I wasn't raised in church, but I met this girl, and they said I couldn't date her, so I went. And at that church, I found Jesus Christ and was saved. The Lord done a work in my life, and, and now I'm a part of a church, and I help lead it, and I'm, her- I'm here to learn how to do it better. And this guy, obviously from Alabama, said, You didn't grow up going to church? (laughs) I shared my testimony in less than 30 seconds. We got off at the same floor and sat there and talked for 10 or 15 minutes about Jesus Christ. Now, some people can say, Huh, good for you. Stay away from me for, you know, you just, you don't know. I mean, that's not your job. Your job is not to, to determine their response. Your job is to tell your story, to tell what Christ has done. And I love to do it with three circles. Yes, there was sin and brokenness, but I repented and believed the gospel. And my birthday, my new birth, when I became a new creation, when I was born again, it, it, it happened. And now I'm pursuing and recovering God's design. Friends, we got to tell it. The psalmist here I, it says, I got to tell it. And, and as we do, expect opposition and victory. Look in verse 20. You who have made me see troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again, you will increase my greatness and comfort me again. Now, there's many who believe verses 20 and 21. You might might write this in the margin of your Bible, that this is messianic, that this is the prayer of Christ having, knowing that he was going to to be sacrificed, he knew that he was going to be raised. He said so. He said it over and over again. And because he has been raised, we have the confidence that we will be raised. Verse 22, I will also praise you with the harp of your faithfulness. So now a picture of heaven. For all of us who believe, yes, we're going to struggle. Yes, we're going to go through dark days, just as Christ did. But what happens in the end? Heaven is our home. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. Christ is going to rescue us. Christ is going to stand with us in every trial. And one day we're going to be in heaven and we're going to praise him for every trial and challenge. Why? Because James 1, beginning verse 2 is true. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet with trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Friends, don't be afraid. God is with us. Isaiah... You might want to memorize this one Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. In order to experience that, we have to let Christ be the center of our lives and we have to center our lives around Christ. Now, many of you have heard my testimony, a lot of it. And and the fact that when I was little, I I got in in trouble. Not a little trouble, a lot of trouble. And one of the main places that I got in trouble was the playground. Because I blame a particular piece of equipment known as the spinner. Put it up there. How many of you guys recognize the spinner? This was the downfall of, of many an afternoon for me at at Brookmead Elementary School in Nashville, Tennessee. Because I like to have fun. I'm sorry. So, I like to be the pusher. So, let me break it down for you kind of how just to be aware of how this can work. So, the guy in the red shirt is a potential troublemaker. That would be me. All right. And then there's the guy in the brown shirt on the outside. He's in danger. Look what he's doing. He's talking trash. He's far away from the center, and he is asking for it. Now, who's the smart one? The sweet little girl, as sweet little girls are. Smart and safe. Because what's going to happen? Let me share a testimony. So I was out there doing my job. And there was someone on the outside talking trash. You can't do it. You can't throw me. Well, guess I did. And then he went and told on me. And I kept doing it day after day, falling for the same trick. Time out after time out. The board of education above my first grade teacher, the board of education. Never learn. But there were always the smart ones in the middle. And you never threw them. Let me tell you, the devil is trying to throw us. He's spinning it, and he's spinning this world, and he's spinning our lives. Friends, don't be foolish and put yourself in a position to fall. Some of you are out there on the edge. You're you're tempting the tempter to tempt you. Don't be surprised when you fall. Don't be surprised at the brokenness and the damage that comes from your sin. Friends, wake up. Get your life centered in Christ. And then center yourself in him as the world spins. And trust God to provide. It's amazing how he provides. The best way I know to center my life is with a disciple's life. We use the cross. We're going to talk about this in the days ahead. At the center of that life is gathering for worship. The top of that life is making more disciples. The base is equipping for growth every day. And, and through, from the teaching that comes from the church. The arms Connecting in a group, serving the church and world. And we'll talk more about that. But, friends, that to me is the best way I know to center my life in Christ. Some of you are not. Some of you are. It's no guarantee. But I tell you, when you're walking with the Lord, He will strengthen you and you will be equipped to seek God's help immediately, to remember God's help previously, and to pursue God's help expectantly. Now, in order to do that, you need to be saved, you need to be baptized. You need to be a faithful member and you need to be serving God's purpose for your life in this world. Let's all stand together. And as we stand, I'm going to ask our care leaders to come forward. We have leaders in our congregation who have been trained to provide care to uh, the people of our church. Uh, Some of you need to be saved today. Some of you need to join the church. Some of you need to be baptized. Some of you need prayer. They're here to pray with you. If you want to, you're welcome just to come to the altar and to pray on your own. I want to pray for you now. Let's pray. Father God, I know there are some here right now who are like I once was far from you, God, needing my sin to be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I pray today that there are some who are here who would cry out to you in their heart and say, God, I know I have sinned, but I believe Jesus paid for that sin and that he has been raised from the dead And because he's alive, he can live in me. Come, Lord Jesus, and live in my life. If you want that life, if you prayed that prayer, if you want to pray that prayer, come and talk with one of these leaders. Some of you have not been obedient to baptism. Lord God, I pray that you will bless them, that they will be obedient to you, that they will pursue you. If you need to pursue baptism, if you need to pursue uh, group life, life in this church, come and talk with these leaders. They will help you. And Father, we all have needs. We need you in so many special ways, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, you know what we need, and you alone can meet those needs. So hear us when we pray. And if you want to come and talk with these leaders, they'd be happy to help you in any way. So, Father, meet with us, help us, bless us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.